0: Now, Landry French, if I'm not mistaken, is a 100% employee-owned company, ESOP. Um, how, How does that work? Now, when you got the call on a Sunday night and you committed to building this thing in 90 days, did you really believe you could build it in 90 days? I'd like to welcome our listeners to the Bolus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bolas. The Bolus Company is Northern New England's largest commercial real estate services firm with offices in Portland, Maine, and Manchester and Portsmouth, New Hampshire. We've been selling and leasing real estate in Maine, New Hampshire since 1975. This podcast is designed to provide insight into Maine's business movers and shakers. On today's podcast, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Kevin French, Chairman and CEO of Landry French Construction. With locations in Scarborough, Maine, and Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Landry French employs over 60 people. It's a 100% employee-owned company, otherwise known as an ESOP. Landry French Construction was founded at the tail end of the Great Recession in 2010 by Kevin and his partner, Dennis Landry. Now, 12 years later, we find ourselves in what we hope is the tail end of the COVID-19 pandemic. Yet Landry French is going stronger than ever. Kevin is 58 years old married to Augusta, and has four children. Megan, who is 33, Cameron, who is 31, Helen, who is 20, and Noah, who is 17. And Kevin's wife, Augusta, is from Chicago. I love to say that. Welcome to the Bowl of Speed. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Um, Hey, listen, you know, you've got so many children, and any of them express uh, interest in coming
1: into the business? I actually, uh, my son, um, Cameron, Thirty-three. No, he's thirty-one now. Um, he came into the business, and um, he wanted to go quickly to the top, top spot, be a, a superintendent at the time, and he was like twenty-four. You wanted to ascend to the throne. He wanted to go right to it, and he said, "You know, my other friends, who have parents in the construction industry, put them at the top." And I said, "You're going to work your way up, and you're going to pay your price." And he left the company and. He's doing his own thing now and uh, I want if he was gonna come into the business he had to have he had to make his respect and uh, for the process and earn his way up. Yeah, I mean if you had put him in a position of authority right off the bat, you really would be
0: doing him a disservice because A, he wouldn't know really what he was doing, and B, the guys, the crew would lose respect for you and for him.
1: Absolutely. And I know that. He didn't know that. And Someday he'll, a light bulb will go off in his head and he'll say, I understand what my father is doing now.
0: Do you think some point, at some point in the future he'll come back? Or to-
1: I, I don't know. I'll, I'll leave that up to him. Um, it would depend on what his, if he wanted to come back, what has he learned in between? And I'm not going to put anybody in a position in my company unless they earned it or have the knowledge to be where they're at. right people, right seats. That's smart, very
0: smart. Um, Kevin, you used to work for Pizzigalli Construction before you started. I did. Landry French, right? I did with Dennis. Um, I remember the first time I met you. If, uh, if you don't mind me relating that story, we were uh, at a brokers' meeting every every Tuesday morning at the Bolus Company. We have a brokers' meeting.
1: It's eight o'clock in the morning. If I remember. No, right. it, se-
0: it used to be seven. Now we're, was it? S- we're softer. Now it's seven thirty. <laughs> okay, but uh, it would go from seven to nine. And then we would have maybe a guest speaker or somebody want wanted to make a presentation to us. And I guess you had asked uh, to come in and, and talk about Pizzagalli's capabilities. I mean, Pizzagalli's a big contractor. Yeah. And you came in and you made a pitch. And I think uh, Brother Joe was there. I think uh, Paul Urenic uh, sure. was there. and Morris um, Fisher. Morris Fisher, that's right. Yeah. And I remember after the meeting, uh, we were re- very impressed with the presentation. And um, Joe and I were about to construct a... 20,000 square foot office building out behind the main mall. And we both looked at each other and and just kind of nodded. And the decision was to give you the, uh, give you the contract.
1: Standard, standard insurance.
0: Standard insurance. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's, it just, you know, for the brokers out there who might be watching this, really pays to get in front of people. Because if you hadn't come in there, you know, out of sight, out of mind, we would not have thought to, to hire you guys, even though you're uh, you know, uh, Pizzagalli's a great contractor, and, of course, Landry French is now, too. So uh, that's my, my first impression and first memory of you. It was very terrible.
1: Yeah, that was over 20 years ago, Greg. Did I have gray hair then? <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was over 20 years ago, and I actually remember it like it was yesterday. It was, um, I think that was probably my first presentation I did for, for Pizzagalli. And I gotta tell you, I was a little intimidated going into that meeting. And it was—it must have been fifteen, ten or fifteen people there from uh, Bolus. Right. Um, but I felt very comfortable with you folks. And twenty years later, we're still doing work with with Bolas and you. Yeah, very so, good relationship. A very great relationship. Um,
0: so, but you—you you weren't always in construction. Um, now, I heard a story that you used to be a police officer.
1: I was. I went to school. Uh, for criminal justice and uh, i was in a gun quit as a police officer really yeah <laughs> i was yeah so, so you went to the academy i did and how long were you a police officer seven years six six or seven years seven years i believe it was and you left that and went to pizza galley i didn't i i left there and went to uh jay paper mill uh and i went up to jay uh So, between a police officer, I was working, I had night shift, of course, because I was a a rookie. And uh, I started working part-time at a construction company during the day. And I was making more money part-time as I was a police officer. So, um, I filled out an application with with, uh, Jay uh, to go to the paper mill. I thought I was going to build roads and things. (laughs) And... uh, you know for the paper company and found that i was actually in the mill making paper doing scheduling oh i was doing scheduling for their their construction and uh from there just it it went up and i went to work for pizza galley and you know it's funny how things work out you probably didn't
0: see yourself in the construction business when you got out of high school or when you went to the police academy absolutely not yeah um you know, your partner, Dennis Landry, you, you folks started the company together. How do you split up the work? And I'll give you my impression from the outside. It looks like you're the outside guy, you're the, uh, the gregarious guy, you know, you're the guy who takes people to dinner. That's my impression. And Dennis is the inside guy who uh, takes the deals that you put together and has to
1: figure out how to make them work. You're is that fair? pretty spot on. <laughs> you're pretty spot on. Um, Dennis is the worker bee. No question about it. And when we formed our partnership, he's operations, um, business development, yeah. estimating, uh, client relations, that type of type of. It's worked out awesome. Uh, Dennis has uh, got a great reputation. He's a very hard worker. I mean, Dennis works 80 hours a week. I bet. Wow. And uh, he's he's uh, He's phenomenal at what he does. Don't you think it helps a partnership when you have defined
0: roles and you've got your expertise and and your partner's got their expertise?
1: Absolutely, and I think Dennis and I both respect each other of knowing um, what that uh, divide is. And we we play off it quite a bit and I'll tell people, hey, you need to go talk to Dennis about this. Um, But we do have cross-pollination where at times, uh, have clients that um, we are, you know, like Dennis is very Bangor Savings. I'm very Colby and Abbott Labs. Right. Um, so we kind of we'll, we'll we'll separate on on a few of them, but for the most part, that's operations. That's BD. Yeah, and mutual respect is is
0: really important if you're going to have a successful partnership. Yeah. And I know you folks have that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, now, Landry French, if I'm not mistaken, is a 100% employee-owned company. Correct. ESOP. Um, how, do, how does that work? I mean, if I come to work for you tomorrow, do I become an owner?
1: Te- technically, you do. After after one, You have to serve for one year. And you go into the ESOP program, and you're given shares as, as the company matures. Um, Dennis and I... Um, when we sold the company to to the co- to the ESOP, um, we have a note, our note's paid back over time. As that note's paid, more shares go to the employees. So uh, it's a gradual transition. It's a gradual transition. It's, it's 100%, but we have notes, just like going to a bank and having a loan. Right. This is the same thing, the company owes us X, X amount, and as that amount's being paid off, employees get more shares. Um, over the last, uh, specifically, two or three years, uh, the ownership has increased a lot. The individual uh, co-owners have gained a, a tremendous amount of shares. Right.
0: And so somebody, after a year, they get shares. Do they, are they given shares or do they buy shares? They're given shares. Okay. And let's say employee X gets shares. He leaves after three years. Does he take those shares with him, or he or he has to sell them back to the company?
1: You gotta sell them back. He's he's paid off for them, and that's what our, our Clifting is. is three years, right? So after three years of service, they're owed the money. If they want to leave, they get the money, um, but yeah, they have to they have to give them back. And do they get paid out over
0: time as well when they when they exit, or uh, when they exit, they're, they're they're given a check. Check, yeah. And how do you retain control? um you know if you got 60 employees and everybody's an owner
1: i would think that that could wreak havoc unless you've got control controlling shares um, Dennis and i have controlling shares okay um but we also have a board of directors okay uh we have trustees of the esop as well so we're uh the trustees don't micromanage it but they watch that makes any sense. Yeah, sure it does, yeah. And uh, the board of directors, um, we run pretty much everything through the board of directors who give me, all right, this is your marching orders. Then we meet quarterly. Smart way to do it. Yeah, it works works well.
0: Um, You know, to date, um, I believe Abbott Lab's um, job at 5 Bradley Drive Mm. in Westbrook um, has got to be one of your biggest jobs or certainly one of the most interesting jobs um t- tell us about Abbott laboratories maybe I can give some background here uh Abbott laboratories was uh represented or is represented by the bolus company and they needed a warehouse uh facility in order to uh stop making these rapid tests for COVID-19 detection and the pressure was on this is right at the height of the pandemic it was yes. and we were able to locate a uh, how big is the building, 30, 50,000? 120,000 square feet total. Okay. Um, 100,000 square foot building. Uh, it used to be Olympia Sports Building. And uh, Abbott signed a lease with a outfit that was about to buy the building. Mm-hmm. And then uh, once the lease was
1: signed, you take it from there. Once, uh, yeah, it, I, will, I will say it's probably the most rewarding project I've ever done in my career. Let's get that out of the way um so they signed the lease i got a call on sunday night it was a sunday night and they said we have a building we have to look at the next day and can, do you have time to go with us i said certainly so i went and looked at the building with them and skeleton was g- great um i said we're going to sign the lease we're hoping to have it done this week We you need to be ready to go i said who's your architect who's a designer We don't have anybody. Can you help us out with it? Certainly I can. So I called an architect that I knew um, I thought had the horsepower to do the job. And lo and behold, four days later on Thursday, they signed the they signed the lease. And I had 50 people in the parking lot with equipment ready to go into that building and waiting for the phone call. The phone call came. Lease is signed. The lease is signed. And we went in like, uh, uh, just like a, you know, a machine. And they had a, um, Olympia Sports had a company in there dismantling all their uh, conveyor belts. I remember, yes. And we had the 50 people that came in there, and they're like, who are, who are you guys? <laughs> and we're like, we're, we're, the, we're coming in to take this over. And they had salvage rights. Right. And I said, hey, listen, we're going to help you take this apart. You can take it and do Keep your plan. We're not going to disrupt what you you had planned for uh, salvage, but we're going to get this stuff down. And about four or five days later, we had everything out of that building, and we were building walls. Uh, We had 90 days to build the project out.
0: And were you able to complete it in 90 days? We completed it. We did. On budget? Um, Well, they probably didn't even have a budget.
1: I don't think they necessarily had a budget, but having said that, we did early on we did we we did a budget form of what we thought the whole project would cost and we were almost spot on to really? what we thought it would be yeah
0: i remember you made the comment that uh, i think you said putting that uh, deal together building that out was like building a plane as you were flying it and what
1: did you mean by that yeah it wasn't me that said that it was the architect that said that and um, We were, the architect, and the, all the designers, engineers were on that site, working full-time. So they would actually have a drawing of a, because you've got to imagine 120,000 square feet, there was multiple divisions within that of, uh, for Abbott of different uh, spaces, different needs. And the architect would draw it out and literally hand it off. We would take it and go Within that hour, would stop building it. Amazing! It's never seen anything like it. Never heard of anything like it.
0: Now, when you got the call on a Sunday night, yeah, and you committed to building this thing in ninety days, did you really believe you could build it in ninety days, or did you have some self-doubt that night?
1: I, I had a little self-doubt, um, but I had faith that I know I knew we could do it. Um, did I take my head and put it down on my hands and say, "What did I just do"? <laughs> yeah, you did. I, I did, and I think I put my my head down and say, "What did you just do?" Because the federal government was watching. Abbott definitely was watching, but we had federal officials down there monthly looking at the progress. Right. I mean, this is. I mean, really, think about it these COVID tests at the time, and still are, really, the whole world uses them. Right. And they were relying on a little company in, in the state of Maine to build the facility to start producing these these kits. So there was a huge amount of pressure. I had a lot of confidence in the team I had there that they could do it. Um, I, I personally was on that job site for 63 days straight and never left it. Right.
0: Well, there was a lot of pride for me, working with Abbott because of the pandemic and you felt like you were doing something. And, and it must, must have been the same for you. You must felt like you were doing something really good for the country.
1: It's unbelievable. And I still, you know, the um, facility's been built now for almost two years. I still look back and I get this little smile in my, in my head. It's like, we did that. And uh, <clears throat> the confidence that it gave our company of what we, what we can do just elevated our firm, not just a couple couple pegs up. It really put us way up. And uh, as a company, I think we just said, "Wow, what you know? What's stopping us from doing whatever we want to do?" And the answer is nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we all hear about the supply chain
0: problems that are going on right Materials, now. Materials, yeah. So, in the construction business, how does that affect you, or has it affected you?
1: It absolutely has affected us. Um, roofing insulation. Uh, you're looking sometimes six to nine months out where you, you could pick up a phone and call. It's, um, it makes us uh, what we can purchase up front and very quickly, we do. So it, it's, it's a whole new tactic. Luckily, we have good cash flow and we can buy these things up front so it doesn't necessarily um uh provide a, a problem with our scheduling. So it's just a it's a just different way to of look, looking at things now.
0: Also co- cost with inflation now running close to what seven percent, you price a job, I mean, how do you how do you keep from uh going in the hole? You price it out at today's dollars, inflation is, is roaring. What how do you, how do you get around that?
1: Um a couple of things. We um all of our jobs are negotiated, for, number one, so we're not going out bidding and getting stuck in that hole. Uh, many times, Greg, we'll put an escalation clause in our estimate. And let's say we have a 2 or 3% escalation clause. We'll show the owner, if I was working for you, I'd show you we have an escalation clause to cover us. And what we don't use f- goes back 100% to you. That's one way to handle it. Second way is to sign our contract very early. Mm-hmm. We used to buy, you know, if we had a, a year a year and a half job, we'd buy our project out over over three or four months. Now we buy it out over two or three weeks. So you can know what your cost is. We know what our costs are. We lock it down very quickly. Yeah. Whatever we have to pre buy, we put the cash out to pre-buy it. Yeah. So we so we can lock in with the manufacturer. So for buying a mechanical equipment from our uh, um, from our subcontractor, we'll we'll buy it right out. If you have to put a deposit down, put the deposit down. We'll pay it out.
0: Now it's February two thousand twenty-two. are you seeing any easing in the supply chain crisis? A little bit,
1: not a lot, not a lot. Yeah, not a lot.
0: Hey, going back to Abbott for a second. Yeah. You, uh, you told me a story about a uh, Memorial Day weekend, and. The highway. Yeah. What's that
1: all about? So, um, Memorial Weekend, uh, the turnpike doesn't allow oversized loads, oversized loads to go go up the you know main turnpike. So we uh, needed trusses to come in for Abbott, and went for the permit, and they said absolutely not. And we pled, and uh, no, you're not going to do it. So I said no we our abbott lab is going 24 7 there was no holidays at abbott and that would have actually if we didn't get that material it would have stopped the job so um i called the governor's office Um, they gave me the green light and i went down to peter mills and gave him the situation he said absolutely and peter mills is Uh, the the director of the main turnpike main turnpike Yeah. yeah and he said absolutely and i went down with a main state trooper and met him at the high level bridge going from portsmouth and kittery we met that load and we drove we drove it up with the blue lights and actually the new hampshire state police brought it from the facility that they were being built at and brought him up so it was um it was goosebumps really when that load came over that main yeah. turnpike uh over that bridge it was just it, Gave you, it gave you goosebumps. To, and they had a, uh, a truck with a big uh, flag on it, yep. American flag. And it just, it gave you goosebumps. Yeah. And again, it goes back to everybody doing what they can to help the cause. And they did. Everybody stepped up. Yeah. There was really no resistance. And I'm sure there was some administrative person that looked at it and said, "Our rules say." Yeah. But common sense prevailed. Yeah, it's called b- bureaucracy. Yeah. And, yeah um
0: labor shortage has that affected you much and i mean right now it's very difficult to get uh, labor and true for the trades
1: very true very very true and there's no there's no getting around it um the labor what four years ago we could build in a year may take us 12 or it could take us 14 to 16 months now to do right um it's just it's just just the facts um, majority of the construction workers now are 50s and 60 years old we don't have a lot of 20s and 30s we have some but it's not like it what it was 30 years ago
0: so what's I mean you look 10 years down the road who's gonna build the buildings good question I mean it must be the carpenters the plumbers the
1: HVAC guys electricians I mean th- those are great trades to go into you can make a fortune you can make a lot of money and and my son, right now, you know, specifically my wife, is like, you got to go to college, you got to go to college, you got to go to college. And I'm like, you can be an electrician, you can be a plumber, you can be whatever you want. You want, you, whatever trade you want to go to, you can be very successful. And some of these kids can, you know, right out right out of the gate make fifty, sixty, seventy thousand. 70,000. You go to college, you can come out and make 30, 40. Yeah, and have uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. Exactly. Yeah. So, I think my wife's starting to come around of uh, thinking there's other possibilities other than you have to go to college because that's what my parents did and their parents did. And
0: yep. I mean, that's what I did with my kids, too. You know, that was just the mindset. Exactly. Um, Kevin, when going after new work, I understand you don't approach it as a competitive bid situation. We do not. How, uh, how do you work at that? Um, How do your
1: clients know you they're they're getting a uh, fair deal? Reputation, um, reputation, um, doing what you say you're going to do, is the big part of it. Right. And um, there's a few of us that run, I'll say, run together that um, negotiate all of our work, and it's. So, if I was going to do a job for you and negotiate it, and you call my clients, you feel you get a, a fair deal, Right, they're going to answer yes, and you're going to feel somewhat I know I'm going to get it. And we bid out all the work. I'll show you all the bids. So, it's open book. It's open book.
0: And if it's open book, do you then say, okay,
1: on on this job, I'm going to make X percent? That's correct. And you disclose that as well. That's correct. We'll show you exactly what we're going to make, and we, we'll show the books after it's done. and. That's how it goes. Yeah, obviously it works for you because, I mean, you're busier than hell. I know that. It works for us and Eric. It works for our clients. All right. I also uh, another
0: story I heard about Landry French is You folks have never been in court or litigation? Never. That's amazing. Never. Um,
1: I don't want to jinx you, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. No, we uh, We haven't. And, I mean, have we had issues that could go, could, possibly? Um, but both Dennis and I say, hey, our reputation's everything. We're going to work it out. One way, we'll work it out. It's not, specific, uh, it's not with our clients. It's more with subcontractors. Sure.
0: And don't you find, that, at least I find this, the best way to handle a potential conflict is rather than call up the lawyers, sit down and meet with the person you've got an issue with and talk it out. That's it. It, Because once the, and I love love attorneys, but once you get the attorneys involved, the talking stops, and, you
1: know, litigators are hired to litigate, and you you kind of lose control on it. How do they make their money? By litigating. By litigating. And how do we make our money? By building. By by building, yeah. So. By sitting in a court. Keep in your path, you know, keep your path, let them litigate, let us build. We'd rather build.
0: So Kevin, when I was growing up, my father owned the ES bolus company, electrical contracting, and I know, actually I think they worked on the Abbott uh, building. Um, That company was sold long ago. My brothers and I, we couldn't screw in a light bulb and without getting electrocuted. So we decided to go into real estate. But um, I just remember uh, ever since I was a little kid, that was always a union shop. It's still a union shop, Mm -hmm. but there are very few union shops here in, in Maine. You're not, and I'm wondering how do you work with a union shop and do you see union shops coming into the state more or not
1: um we work with union and non-union um to us we're we're open shop and it comes down to quality and price i don't care if you're union or non-union and all i care about is you're fair to us and you do what you say you're going to do so uh, right now, we have a concrete subcontractor who is union that we have on three projects we have e s Bolas on two or three projects right now and a, and a few others and uh, good for them for being union and good for the ones that are not we just we just we just want a, a good price and the proper labor and and quality to move forward with you.
0: And can you the, do the unions have the uh, labor issue that, say, if non-unions do? Everybody has still mm-hmm. labor issue. Because I remember my dad said you could always pull from the bench, he yeah. would say. Yeah. But even the bench is not really full. So these days.
1: If, if you have people on the bench, why are they on the bench? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> uh,
0: so we've discussed Abbott, which we were both involved with. Um, let me list some other projects okay, okay. and give me a, maybe a 30 60 second snippet overview of what comes to mind when i mention these projects now these are projects you have completed we'll get to some projects that you're currently working on okay sure um 191 marginal way which is a convenient md building in portland
1: um that was a project that uh peter Noyes. right you're bringing up these things in the past and making me spin so uh, peter noise uh, I think that was one of Peter's, fr- probably one of his first development jobs, yes. it, it was. And um, Paul Urenic brought me in on that. On really? That, yeah, on that project. That was just before he left? That was just before he left. Um, and I think actually he left during that project, which um, he kind of kept, he kept coming back, um, working for Bolus, but he was at Colby at the same time. Yeah, we didn't want to let him go. Yeah, no, yeah, I know I can understand why. Uh, but yeah, another that project uh it, it was uh it was a good good little project
0: right yeah. there. Turned out well for the owner too. I mean, he was happy with the now. It's fully leased. Yeah. And um uh the tenants are doing well, so. Um another project, Patriot Insurance Company headquarters in Yarmouth.
1: Oh, Link Merrill. Yes. So, uh the town of Yarmouth had a new master plan. They wanted to bring their buildings closer to the to the to the road. And parking have, out back. Parking yeah. out back. So it was in the definitely in the light of the residents of like why are they building it so close to the road? Why did you design it that way? One, we didn't design it. We're just building it. Yeah. Um, but the project was awesome. Link, link. Um, to this day, we have we have a relationship. Um. And it was a ph- phenomenal job. It was really very rewarding. I live I live like two miles from that building, yeah. so I see it quite often. Yeah, I've been through that building, and it did count really, really <coughs> nice. It did.
0: Um, another one, the state of Maine DHH,
1: DHHS buildings in Augusta and Portland. So Portland, uh, when we did Portland. It was um, six, seven, eight, maybe eight years ago now. W- what's the address, or where's that located? That's right by the uh, port. So oh, that's, that's the, the one we had pictures of when we were putting the steel structure up where a plane was landing, yeah and they took the shot randomly. They took the shot and the plane's landing, and there's the picture um It's an awesome photo that's the one owns Eric owns that building yeah. that's correct and that uh that building a hundred thousand feet eighty eight thousand square feet, and when we got the project they're like. Oh, Landry French. That's eighty-eight thousand. They can't do that. They're over their skis. We built eighty-eight thousand square feet in eleven months. Yeah, that was quick. And it was there. Must have been a time deadline, or there was a time deadline. And uh, when we got on the site, we actually found that it was a trash dump. <laughs> at one time, so we started digging, and here comes all this trash. So we had to figure out a plan for that quickly. Because the soils were no good. The soils were not good. And we we learned very quickly how to how to remedy that yeah. and keep the project going. And the mayor of Portland was actually he was very upset that DHHS didn't stay in Portland. Is that Ethan? That at the was time? Brennan. <clears throat> oh, was Brennan. Okay. Yeah, and they're like, there's no way these folks can build this on time. Well, we looks built like it. you proved them wrong. We built it. We built it on time. And there was a one up Augusta too. We did one in Guster, which is a little over 100,000 square feet. Was We're, that done afterwards? or That was done after. That was um, three years ago. And uh, who owns that, do you call? Uh, FD, FD Stonewater. Oh, sure. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Which, which we just did a job for the VA. Yep. Down on Commercial Street in Portland, That's correct. Which is beautiful, by the way. It's it, it, great. So every the VA, they have every service known to man down there, whether you want dentists, uh, have a dentist work on you, hearing, um, every, everything. How big's that building. Big set building, do you recall? That building is 80,000 square feet. Plus a parking garage. Plus the parking garage. Colby yeah.
0: College's Bill and Joanne, or Joan, uh, excuse me, mm-hmm. Alphon Main Street
1: Commons Waterville hundred thousand square feet um, 200, 200 beds and there was an apartment style uh, dormitory so the kids are living some of the kids are off the hill at Colby and in waterville correct living there and they have a shuttle bus going back and forth and really that sparked I feel that that project sparked the whole uh, downtown being redone right and if you drive through downtown waterville and look at it today versus what it was five years ago you wouldn't recognize it and all the other buildings are remodeling and having facelifts done right. the city the city looks a lot different than what what it was
0: I was up there last week and actually went through that building oh you did yeah And it's like this is a nice dormitory I mean this is not what I went to school in neither one of us <laughs> <laughs> um Casco Bay Ferry Terminal addition and renovation in Portland
1: one we're doing now. So this is our second project down there. Okay. And uh we did one five years ago and they called us back to do this this second one now. And this project's um I mean it's 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 I never knew how busy that terminal was till we actually started working there and how much support that ferry uh, ferries give to the islands. Oh sure. And without those ferries, the islands are shut down. I mean, a lot of swim. food. Everything goes out there through the ferry terminal. And um, it's got a marine aspect to it, too. We're, you know, we're doing, it's, part of it sits on a dock. Yeah. So is that uh, a city owned? That is, uh, you know, that's a good question, Greg. I don't know who. It used to the, be privately owned. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I know the city has something to do with it. Um, who the sent owners, it the checks? We're going to ask Dan- Dennis that. Yeah, you'd have to ask Dennis <laughs> that. All, all I know is that, does it doesn't come up on as as being delinquent. That's a, that's <laughs> a good thing. Um,
0: in uh, Gorham, I go by this every weekend when I'm heading up uh, to Aditash to go skiing. The Harvey Performance uh, Company's new uh, manufacturing facility.
1: That I think, is it Josh Benthian did that? He did. In Rex Bell? Yeah, in uh, Northland Properties. Yes. 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 Um, Good projects. Uh, our first project we did with Northland actually. Yeah. Uh, we have one currently under under construction with them right now, that was our, our first project, and uh, great job. And actually, Harvey brought us down to Massachusetts to work the facility down there, and they had projects going currently uh, concurrent with ours in Gorham. They had one going in Massachusetts, with a different contractor, and they said. What a difference! And the second one they did in Raleigh, we're down there now building. So it worked out pretty well. Well, when they've got another
0: contractor doing a similar job, it probably gives you a chance to shine. It it
1: does shine or fail. And <laughs> and, um, and we shined. But you know the Harvey is is a great a great project to talk about. We were under construction when COVID hit. With what? COVID. Oh. That's when the pandemic started, and we're in the middle of that project, and, you know, people are hiding, not coming to work. How are we going to keep that
0: project on schedule? And in your contracts, you probably didn't have a pandemic provision. We didn't know what a pandemic was. I bet you going forward, there will be a lot of those provisions. (laughs) There's a few. Uh, Public safety buildings for the towns of uh, Berwick, Yarmouth,
1: Wells, and Scarborough. Yeah. Wells was our first one, and then went like dominoes. Are these like
0: fire department?
1: Or I mean fire department, police, which um, I think you know maybe a little of my uh, first job maybe helped, and and, and actually it did because I understand what internals of a police department sure. needs to be. Um, but I see it on drawings and say, this doesn't make sense, and you raise a question, you know, why is it drawn this way? And they're like, you know. The police would look at it and say it doesn't make sense, and they'd change it. Yeah. And uh, we, so we've done four in the last four or five years, and we got a couple more coming. Yeah. So the fact that you were a policeman at one time, you 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 know what to look for. Some, yeah, yeah. And things have changed a lot. Trust me, and oh, you know I've been doing this now for twenty-five, twenty-eight years, and uh, things have changed. But at the same time, your mind doesn't change. You're still. Right you're still thinking cop. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Okay,
0: so now let's switch over to some of the new projects that are currently under construction. I think this is really exciting. And, you know, I drive around Portland, I drive around greater Portland, I go up the water. your signs are everywhere. And so obviously you're, you're really busy. Uh, 201 Federal Street. This is gonna be an 18 story apartment building at the corner of Federal and Temple in Portland. When I come into to work in the morning at Canal Plaza, I come up Temple Street, and there's the biggest crane I've ever seen in Portland, standing there. Two hundred. I come in. 80. I get in early. <laughs> it's dark, but that crane is lit up. What's uh, what's going on over there, and how long is it going to take? And
1: it's going to be about sixteen months. Uh, it's eighteen stories. Um, Two hundred and sixty apartments. It's uh, tallest building in Maine, right? It will be the tallest building in Maine. Right now, now they proposed the Russon is going to be a little bit taller. I so I did see that in the tape paper today, but it's going to be 18 stories, and Franklin Arterial right now is the tallest
0: at 16 stories. I think that's correct. That's correct. And you know, I'm sure people look at that site and say, "How the hell did they ever build it on such a postage
1: stamp?" But when you have an urban infill, that's what happens. That's what happens. I mean, you think about it in Boston, New York. This yeah. isn't. This isn't. We're not inventing this. Yeah. This is. You know, you get into a, there's only so much land, and uh,
0: but that presents certain challenges too in terms of laydown areas for your construction uh,
1: material and in your cranes and. Uh, Basically, when it comes in the truck, it fl- it goes up, it flies up, we unload the trucks, and it goes right into place. Sure. So, um, having logistics that you need to think about: my delivery is coming. What am I going to do with that? You need to th- you need to think that out yeah and the team the team that you know you put on those projects need to have that mindset of you know we know how to properly plan, yeah you
0: don't want the beam for the eighteenth floor showing up when you're on the fourth floor,
1: no okay, you don't have any room to
0: put <laughs> <laughs> um Hobson's landing phase two in mm. portland that's a new seven story hundred and sixty thousand square foot condominium project featuring sixty four units with a parking on the first and second floor. It's right across from Becky's, right,
1: yeah, yeah. Pretty uh, pretty high visibility place to be building. And um it's our third project for that owner. And um now I, I like I like high visibility jobs. It ge- it gives you time to shine. And um you know, some some people don't like the, the pressure or uh worried about making the mistakes. We don't worry, able, worry about that. We don't worry about that. We worry, you know, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for, that's why you saying I think it's part of why you see our signs around, because we like high visibility jobs and, you know, people know who we are. Yeah, be proud of it. Yeah, exactly.
0: But that the one you're building right now is next to some condos that have been finished. Correct. You, you didn't do those, right? We did not do those. And then the, there's a hotel on the other side. Correct. We didn't so do that either. when you're completed... Is that 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 whole project is completed? It is. Okay. Yeah. And that used to be the old Rufus Deering right. lumber site. Yeah, great. That's right. Well, that's a great that's a great project. you um, you gotta help me with this pronunciation. Paul J. Schrumpf? Chef. Yeah. Paul J. Chef yeah. Art Center, Waterville. Thirty two thousand square foot hub for visual arts, performing arts, artists, education, and film for children and adults, downtown
1: Waterville. That's for Colby College. Colby. Yeah, that's for Colby. Um, so this is our third project. We went to Colby for the Bill and Joan Alphonse Center five years ago. We haven't left. So my team that I have, have never left there. Um, so we're on our third project. Uh, Paul Urenick is is their representative up there that we, yep. we work for. And... Um, it's 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 a, a great project. A great project. Um and Colby just hired us for another project on campus. So we're there, uh this project and the projects they have coming up will probably be there for another five or six years. That's great. Yeah.
0: Great client. Um that's connected to the opera house, I think.
1: It is correct. We have there's a there's a bridge, Sky Bridge that goes over to the to nice. the opera house.
0: Um project that we're both familiar with 65 Gannett Drive in South Portland, 15,000 square foot addition um, onto an existing 35,000 square foot renovation um, for Abbott Laboratories. It's lab and office space. So Correct. we uh, represented Abbott again, found this building, which JB Brown owns, yeah leased it to them, but they needed an addition put on Correct. for the
1: lab and then take it from there. Yeah, so uh Verano. J.B. Brown, um, who is actually involved in the VA center down commercial. That's right. He owns a ground. That's correct.
0: Yeah, ground lease.
1: Um, yeah, correct. And so, um, uh, Vin brought us in on that, and of course, Abbott's a current client, so everything came together. And it's a, uh, it's fifty thousand square foot uh, lab in office space, but the whole building itself is closer to what fifty, fifty, th- the, about 50,000 50, square feet. feet. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and lastly, uh, Travis Mills Foundation
1: Health and Wellness Center. W- where is that? It's up in Rome, Maine. Yep. And um, so, Travis Mills—they, you know—they have the retreat for the wounded, wounded uh, veterans. Right. And uh, so we're doing a—it's got an indoor pool, uh, fitness center, and just what a rewarding project that is to have, have. You know Travis Mills is a client, and a lot is donated, a lot right. of materials donated, a lot of uh, labor donated. Maybe you could explain who Travis Mills is <clears throat> yeah, um, he's an amputee and um from the uh, from the war in Afghanistan? I, Afghanistan Afghanistan Iraq, Iraq one of them and uh, he's a motivational speaker and if I you ever that? have the opportunity to watch some of uh travis's uh, podcasts or his speaking, he's just so inspirational. It's it's incredible. Um, there's a term that I've heard
0: used with you folks, and I I don't know what it means. So bear with me, but called lean construction methods. I'm assuming you know what that means. Yeah. And if you do, can you tell us?
1: I, I can tell you, yeah, a little about lean, and uh, lean is just. Uh, just efficient in building, communicating. All the all the subs are on board. So back, you know, back early in the day, you'd look at the sub and say, "You're going to do it this way," and I don't care what you say. I don't want your opinion. Just, Just do it. Do it. Now the subs are involved, and they give what their timeline is to do their particular thing, and it all goes on on paper. And they say, "All right, I'm going to be out of this area next Friday." Well Monday comes, and they're not out of that area, they need to more or less report out and say i didn't finish because the next trade needs to come in when they finish, and now that next trade can't come in because they didn 't do their work they're held accountable. Is it more collaborative very the the day of of uh, you know slamming your fist down and say you're going to do it those days are gone that's how it was with my father in the electric contracting business. It's, it was just a different era. It's the way it was done 10 years ago. And things have just changed. And, and going back to your question you had earlier about labor shortages, Yeah. if you don't work together, you're not getting anything done. Because right. they can walk across the street and go someplace else. They, yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, in Maine, uh, going back to the pandemic, in Maine at the start of the pandemic, yeah. Governor Mills declared construction companies essential businesses. Which meant you were able to continue to work more or less normal operations, unlike Massachusetts and New York and other places where they had work stoppages. I'm just wondering, were you able to attract workers from those states to help you out while while
1: you were while you were going gang gangbusters? We did um, specifically for Abbott out on Bradley Drive, in um, so we, so uh, Abbott, we had Bradley Drive. We also had a major project that started up at Southgate in Scarborough for them. 10 Southgate? Yeah. So we, we brought a mechanical company in from New York that was shut down for because the, they couldn't work. We brought them in, and they did that whole job, because we didn't have the, the labor in the state of Maine to do it. Not two, two massive projects at once. It was just... There wasn't there was enough people in the state of Maine to do it.
0: So that really was a godsend that she... Labeled you essential business as
1: construction, correct? Um, which, uh, for Abbott, if if she did, Abbott still would have would built because um, that came under the the U.S. emergency and get it done. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Abbott had a uh, a line literally right to the White House. They they, they if there's any problem, it got solved so, immediately. So we had some material problems. The call was made material was on the way. Simple as that. Wouldn't you love it if it was that easy all the time? <laughs> Which I still have the
0: number. <laughs> so, in, in closing, Kevin, by the way, I really enjoyed this conversation, yeah. but in closing, what's, I mean, you're a young guy, you're what, 56? 58. 58, okay. Well, you're not as young as I thought, <laughs> but but we were talking before we started taping here, and I mean, you've got the energy, and you've you love what you do, and you're probably going to be doing this a long time, but what's, what's on the horizon
1: for you personally and also Landry French? Um, Landry French, I want to see the growth continue. Um, you know, people, I, I hear this, you, you've grown too fast. We haven't. We grow with our people. And as we continually are growing, we're continually attracting new help, new new talent, and as our talent improves, we're going to continue to grow. Uh, mm-hmm. Where I see that going, uh, we're pretty much spot on where we thought it would be three years ago. So our, our growth is very, uh, planned. very planned, and I can tell you that we're, in three years, if you and I have this conversation again, you're going to say, wow. Because when you grow, if you don't have the systems in place, you can get in trouble. You can get in trouble. I think you could get in trouble very quickly. Right. And... Um, I just I don't want to grow. I want to grow well. Yeah, and you want to be profitable. I want and I want to be profitable. I mean, we're an ESOP. We owe it to people coming on and people that are here to be profitable. I look at the ESOP as a as another four hundred one k. So right. each co owner of the company basically you just don't have a four hundred one k. You have the four hundred one k and the ESOP when you retire. And um, me me personally. I I can't say I have a plan to to leave. When I'm not having fun, I'm going to leave. But right now, I'm just having a a blast. I tell people
0: if they find me at my desk in the morning and I'm dead, you know I went happy. (laughs) Anyway, Kevin, thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks. Kevin, I want to thank you for being our guest today on the Bola Speed, a Bola's company podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. You can learn about Landry French Construction at the company's website, which is www.LandryFrenchConstruction.com and on Facebook and Instagram at Landry French Construction. And if you'd like to learn more about The Bolus Company, please be sure to visit us at www.Bolas.com. You can also find us at The Bolus Company on Facebook and at LinkedIn and at The Bolus Co. on Instagram and Twitter. And lastly, if you want to know the secret to owning real estate, it's pretty simple. Just be sure to outlive your debt.